All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old and I love in these crates they actually have cards that say here are activities or things you can do specific to bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is I love KiwiCo there's always something new for kids to discover like learning about the science of ice cream engineering robots or doing science experiments which our kids have loved yes. recently Sean is currently holding as she said the colorful chemistry kit which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids they look forward to their new crate every month and this one kept him really engaged we got to experiment with mixing oil and water mixing different colors and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess. So it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, we're going to talk about dad. That's right. My dad. Yes. And uh, if you don't know, my father passed away just a couple weeks ago, yep. uh, suddenly, out of nowhere, unexpectedly. <clears throat> and since couples, one of the things I go through is death and grief, I figured it would maybe be helpful for us to talk through this. And I, as I was going through this whole process the last couple of weeks, journaled through it just because... I don't know, this is like a once in a lifetime thing, quite literally. And I wanted to have this process captured just so I could refer back to it in honor and in memory of my dad. But now we have scripted um, five pages of kind of organized thoughts. And if it is jumbled up, forgive us, but we're going to try our best to share how the grief process has been for me, how it's been for you and let me just make something clear here. I don't want this episode to necessarily be about me or my dad. I, I am wanting to create this episode that's about grief specifically because we all grieve about different things in life, whether it's a lost loved one, a lost relationship, a lost career, lost plans, hopes and dreams, whatever it may be. And so I have been documenting this process of just journaling because that's what I naturally do in all phases of life. And hopefully by me sharing my experience with grief, my personal story with grief, you may be able to navigate your journey through grief uh, maybe a little bit better. Maybe you'll have vocabulary or timelines or thoughts vocalized that you otherwise wouldn't. And so that's my hope. And really our hope with all the content we make is to 
start conversations, meaningful conversations that are about the most meaningful thing in life. And that's about family. So I really found like hearing from other people was so helpful and encouraging in a lot of ways. So I hope that's the result of this episode for you as well. To start, we'll tell you what happened to dad. So on the night of December 26th, going into 27th, um, dad had what was called a fatal arrhythmia or ventricular fibrillation where his heart got out of sync or out of rhythm and was not able to get back. Um, because of that, he, he basically passed away in his sleep. Um, we all found out in the middle of the night and I'm actually curious because the way it had happened that Andrew and I both found out was we were sleeping in separate rooms that night because the kids were having a hard time and I was really sick. So Andrew was letting me kind of rest and try to heal and he was taking care of the kids. You found out around midnight, 1 a.m., and then didn't wake me up to tell me until around 6. And I'm curious what your first few hours of realization were like. So, okay, can I just read what I wrote? Because literally, I, I said uh, at one forty-five, I got a text from my mom saying that dad had a heart attack, and I got a call from my brother uh, about forty-five minutes later, later saying dad had died. Um, I was, I just laid there and cried, thinking of what I last said to my dad, how I last treated him. I was thinking of my mom and thinking of how much of a blessing it is that we all had the last week of Christmas together. Um, and then I said, I know that God is good, and I can't tell if this is a bad nightmare or not. To think of my dad just lying there lifeless so out of the or- is so out of the ordinary for him, and it's like scary. It's so unnatural, right? I, um, about a half hour later, I said the full emotions are setting in, and I'm crying just looking at the photos and videos of him. I'm mostly sad just thinking of our kids, and them not getting to know him better. Uh, the wonderful life that we get to live is in large part due to his legacy and what he built for us. And I wish that they could get to know the man who laid this foundation. I'm so glad that I wrote uh, a letter to him a few months ago, which I'll talk about. Uh, half hour later, I was still crying, thinking about my mom. They had been together since high school. They're high school sweethearts. And... I said, I'm not sure how she will navigate life without him. Starting to think about all the things that need to be done, the unfinished houses that he was building. He, he uh, was a contractor that built houses, uh, what to do with all the different things that he was involved with. Uh, but then I started thinking about how one of our last conversations that we had, my dad and I, was about legacy. And it was about family mission and the values that we had. And I feel like the spiritual wealth that he gave us as siblings um, is greater than any blessing that I could have ever asked for, right? I feel like subconsciously I was expecting to keep him around for another 20 or 30 years because that's how long my grandparents lived. And my dad died at 63. I guess I had benchmarked like my Grandpa that died the youngest was 78. So I was like, you know, oh, he'll be around for another 15 years. I got this. But then we told Drew a couple hours after that, we said the Papa's with Jesus. And she says, 
why can't I go up there? And uh, you told her that Papa's in her heart with Jesus. And we could talk about, we, we had a big day with the kids. There's eight grandkids. And we had a big kind of day with them talking about emotions and trying to figure out how to navigate that. But um, first, let me say that I miss my dad. I would not, I wouldn't miss the opportunity to spend another day with him or be annoyed by him or sit and listen to one of his wild lectures or get another hug from him. But I, the one word that I feel in my soul is grateful. And the reason that I feel that way is because uh, the last couple months with him were like really beautiful. It was, uh, he was hosting events. He hosted a concert with all his dearest friends. He hosted like, an event with some of his high school and fraternity brothers. He hosted an event with some of his college football teammates. The night that he died, he did the newlywed game with my mom at my best friend's um, wedding shower. And he like, dude, we had the week of Christmas. We had these conversations. I wrote him a letter that was stemmed from a book called The Intentional Father. And it was about all the things that I feel like he got right as a dad that I was thankful for. And how that's affected me as a father has positively affected me as a dad. And so like, those are all things that had we known he was going to die, we would have done, but they just kind of coincidentally happened to be the last few months that we didn't know were going to happen. Um, so I don't feel like I, I, I do think we're grieving. I think we're in the grieving process, but I'm not like boohoo sad, right? Like it's, it's more of, I think I'm a little melancholy just being humbled by the fragility of life and like uh, struck by a new perspective. My dad and I had a great perspective or great relationship and I'm so thankful for that. Not everyone can say that. I feel like I was his student. I feel like I benefited so much from the things that he sacrificed for us. And so all those things lead me to just be grateful. Um, And really from a high level, the two takeaways from the last couple of weeks for me are one that I was extremely blessed to have a dad who loved and cared for me as my dad did. And two, that God is good. And I've felt that I've seen that it's been really amazing over the past couple of weeks to experience that. And I think the first of having been blessed by such a great father reinforces the second that God is good. So that's the main takeaway. And that's what I've been trying to communicate is that like, you know what? It's been difficult. It's been sad, but it's been beautiful and God is good. What's wild is that in the past couple of weeks, there's been the full spectrum of life phases. I feel like I had a dear friend get married and I stood up next to him uh, as he was saying his vows. We have a uh, another niece and nephew coming uh, here in the next couple months. And, uh, we, we all were together celebrating. And so we kind of, we got a lot of life experience here, including the death of my dad. And it's just a reminder that like the circle of life, the phases of life, like they do come and go, but whatever it may look like, I've just been really struck by how joy and pain go hand in hand and it's beautiful. And it, seems like a paradox and I think that it is like a beautiful mystery but like the 
the deepest sorrow I feel like can result in the most long lasting joy. And they're just right there with each other. It's just, can you find the joy? Are you willing to to look for the joy and put in the effort or change your perspective in order to, to do that? And so that's been my challenge for myself is through this process to continue to, to look for the joy, even though it is painful and sorrowful. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationships. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with a therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. I am. I, I've been researching grief though because I don't know what I'm in for here. I've never lost a close loved one like this. Lost grandparents, but that was from old age. And Lexi and I were talking. Uh, in Fiji, they have a hundred days of grief, is what they go through. Do you know this? In who, where? Fiji. Is that right? And so they'll have services, memorial services on the third, seventh, 49th, and a hundredth day. They have four memorial services. Mm. Which is pretty cool, right? And they gather around and pray and bestow presents. In the U.S., we don't really do that. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm saying this because to set your expectations that we're 17 days into this, <laughs> and I don't know what is around the corner. I feel like the initial shock of the grief hit me, and we cried that first 24 hours. Like I'd never cried like that. I had a headache. My eyes stung. We were all dehydrated. It was like beautiful. Wouldn't change it, but I'd never cried that much. But now it's almost like this, um, the long form of grief Mm -hmm. is here where random things, objects or food or statements or like a home building site will like trigger a memory of my dad. And that's what I'm like a little more nervous about because I don't know what that's going to be for me. And it could just hit you out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know that the initial period after death is difficult. I don't know how difficult post-funeral days will be. But I'll tell you, they say there's seven phases of grief. If I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just spitballing here. This is kind of for, for me to get off my chest, if you, if you don't mind. They say there's seven phases of grief. Shock and denial is the first. Second is pain and guilt. Third is anger and bargaining. Fourth is depression. Fifth is the upward turn. Sixth is reconstruction and working through. And the seventh is acceptance and hope. Um, shock and denial, I feel like we felt. Yeah. This was, I don't know. I mean, he had a doctor appointment the week before and they said he was healthy as a horse. Well, even the coroner said he was healthy. Yeah. So that was shocking for sure. 
pain and guilt. Mm-hmm. Honestly, don't. I don't feel like there's a lot of guilt on my end. We weren't. We were the only siblings not in Indianapolis. We came back to Nashville to celebrate Christmas as just our family with our two kids. So we weren't necessarily there, but I don't. I can't say I feel guilty about that. Like, well, and I mean, I I can understand how that pain and guilt would set in, but there wasn't anything that could be done, and nobody was able to see Dad. You know, at the hospital with his final breath. You know, it it was it was quick and yeah. I also don't personally feel like there was any bargaining for me like reckoning with God. Like, oh, if you bring him back, I I'll do that. Like I don't really I, I'm at peace with it. I really am. If there's any anger I feel, it's like the week before the funeral and after my dad died, it was everyone hyping up my dad. It's like, oh, your dad's great. He affected my life in this. And it's like all the focus and attention is on that loved one. And then the funeral happens. And the next day it's back to normal, Mm -hmm. back in the routine. And I'm sitting there thinking like, hey, for me, simultaneously, like everything has changed, but nothing has changed. Like, Mm -hmm. Like my dad was an integral part of my life on a foundational level, but like he doesn't, he's not around here every day. He's not... So my pers- everything has changed for me personally, but nothing on the outside. It's not like I lost an arm or something like that. It's like, it's, it's a hidden wound. And I was a little angry that like people weren't continuing to hype up my dad mm-hmm. and like compliment him. Well, and I think that was something we all talked about as a family. We stayed in Indianapolis um, as like a full extended family for 10 days before anybody decided to start flying back home. Um, And I remember texting my sister-in-law and she said, I feel angry and I, it feels weird. And I remember talking to mom and her saying it feels weird because it's like when we were at home for those 10 days, we lived in a bubble where we could grieve and mourn and go through the ups and downs and the happiness and the sadness and, People still were showing up to the door with food. So that still felt like people were acknowledging what had happened. But when we started flying home and we like broke out of that bubble, it was weird to see like the world had never stopped. And it made all of us feel angry. Because coming home and having people not understand or people be like, oh, did you have so much fun over New Year's? It was like, well, no. (laughs) Right. You know, like people definitely understood like the day of the funeral. People were like, oh, yeah, don't respond to text message mm-hmm. or calls. But then now it's people have less of an understanding of that where it's still it's. This is my 20th day on planet Earth without a father. Mm-hmm. If it's a little disorienting, like legitimately, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It's yeah. just like. I can't call my dad up and ask him whatever random question. Right. So that's a new experience, but I don't know where I am on the seven phases. I imagine like I'm humbly accepting that. I don't know. Maybe I'm at phase five. I don't think that's a progressive list. I think you can be anywhere on that list for the rest of your life. And I don't think you accomplish getting over one. You know, I think you can bounce back and forth 
Yeah, I'm not forever. sure. I legitimately don't know about this. No, I, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't think it's like a. Oh, you get over the shock and denial. I think ten years in, from now, you could wake up one day and be completely in shock and denial. And I don't think you have to try to master that list and say, "Oh, I've succeeded at all of them." Yeah. Uh, I will say. I don't know. There's been, there's just been some weird things. Like, I am not a dreamer. I don't ever remember my dreams. Maybe once a year. And on Sunday morning, I woke up at 3 a.m. Bawling, crying. Mm -hmm. Because I had a dream about my dad that he was in our guest bedroom, like right across the way from where I was sleeping. And he came out and waved at me and like welcomed me in. And I was like, dang. It feels like I'm just now waking up from the past two weeks being a bad dream, you know? So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's like a psychological <laughs> curveball where I, I've never been through it. You know, I've, I, I honestly feel, I, I feel really content with the whole thing. And like I wrote, I helped write the obituary, did like a eulogy and all that was so cathartic for me to sit back and, kind of cement how I will remember my dad go back through all his like LinkedIn posts his Facebook posts and it was like so great it's like man this guy was a good man but I, I don't know what the like what do I do with this you know I am I, I we're talking about grief at a high level. Like how, how do you navigate it? The seven phases and stuff. I don't know if there's like a right way to do it, but I, I do think the one common thread of however you go through the process is to be present in it, which I'm really happy with that week before the funeral. I mean, we were all together. That was, that was the focus, right? I feel like we did a great job of being together. We did. And dad was wild as always. And videoed everything no, even the, though he was right there the week before the funeral i'm sorry of oh. like having that being present in that yeah. grief right yeah that week was very 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 beautiful and very difficult and awesome we all we spent every waking second together our whole family which was amazing and <clears throat> there was no shortage of friends family just people in the community stopping by, dropping off diapers and food and cleaning the house and organizing things. And just we felt so taken care of by the community, which was incredible. And we were able to truly just be present with each other. Yeah. It was really great. By the way, if I'm crying, it's like it's tears of joy and gratitude i feel that in my soul i'm a sad but i'm also grateful anyway if you don't mind what i just want to say too like i said this to that week we were in indy but he dad was the most amazing person ever ever and I feel like society puts this weird spin on like, oh, my father-in-law or my mother. No, he was everything you could ever dream of in a human being, not just a father-in-law. And so, yes, with the shock and denial and everything of his passing, 
it's hard for there to be that anger because he was such a light that he wouldn't want you to be angry. Yeah. Well, you talk on the on the the note of the week after he died before the funeral all the siblings there's like a million things to do we we drove up from nashville got there at 12 30 hugged my mom and cried for like a half hour but then it was straight into logistics mm -hmm. and it was like where's the funeral gonna be when's it gonna be who's gonna talk what are the bible verses you're gonna talk what's what's he gonna wear like it's all this weird stuff and i was like hold on can we just be here together and not you're getting calls from freaking a lot of people and it's like this does not matter i want to be with my mom i want to be with my siblings and i want to be with our family but you also we brought the kids we had eight kids running around yeah. and the the in-laws necessarily they they couldn't be as present as us first of all thank you for taking that like burden and kind of taking one for the team but how was it for you? Because we've talked about how I've been able to be pr rather present with the grief. And you less so. Yeah. Um, that week was, same as you said, really, really difficult, really beautiful, everything. Um, but all of the spouses, the role we kind of took on was just trying to take all of the load off of you guys. So all of the load off of the siblings and mom. And... In doing that, that was taking care of the kids, helping, like, direct and manage the phone calls from the funeral home and the directors and all the friends coming in. People would knock on the door every 20 minutes, which was such a beautiful thing, but that's a heavy load on you guys as well. So we were trying to direct them and set up systems for meal trains and just, like, truly be the brunt of it all. Or, like, take the brunt of it. Um, I will never forget. This is, like, a core memory, though. Mom's sister. There was one day where I took um, six of the kids to the park and met up with my sister-in-law, who had the other two. And we just wanted to get them out of the house. There was, it was very heavy in the house with just sadness. And we needed to get the kids out to, like, give them some fresh air and a new perspective and everything. And... So I took them to the park and mom's sister showed up to help. And I remember after being there for a couple hours, I was like loading the kids back up and she came over and she like stopped me and she's like, I need you to look at me, like look in my eyes, in my soul and like, look at me. She's like, I need you to take a breath and tell me what you need. And I was like, I don't need anything. I just need the kids to be happy. I need to like take care of my husband. She's like, no, you have to grieve too. And my sister-in-law walked up and we all just started bawling. And she was like, this is just as much like a loss for you as it is for everyone. And it was, it just like hits you as a spouse because you're a supporting partner. So you try to like, you like push it away for a second and you're like, okay, what do I need to do for my husband? But it was, it was really, I think that's one of the hard things about being the spouse on the side of this grief was trying to grieve as well because yeah. there isn't a lot of time for it at the beginning. Are you frustrated with buying your kids clothes and having them grow out of them literally within a week? I know I am. Then you need to check out Posh Peanut. I love this brand. Their clothes are amazing quality and made from viscose, 
from bamboo. So they stretch with your kid as they grow and are four times stretchier than cotton. They have different designs you can pick from, like Barbie, Flowers, Disney, and Hot Wheels. So we let our kids pick out which ones they wanted. And of course, Drew picked the pattern with Disney princesses. Oh, yes. She loves her Disney princess pajamas. Plus, I swear their clothes get even softer the more you wash them, which usually doesn't happen with kids' clothes. I also love that their clothes are chemical-free, which means they're delicate enough for babies with sensitive skin, which is something we've been paying attention to for Bear. Posh Peanut is made for infants and kids, but they also have sizes for moms and dads if you want the whole family to match. Let's be honest, every family has done a matching moment. And if you're not a parent, consider this a perfect gift idea. For real, you guys, we love this brand, and they're loved by over a million parents. Check them out. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code EASTFAM. Go to poshpeanut.com slash EASTFAM and use promo code EASTFAM for 20% off your first order. I feel like you did a great job of being honest. We had really good conversation through that, mm-hmm. which isn't always, we don't always communicate well. <laughs> but I we did like, that way. <laughs> Honestly, the past couple of weeks, I feel like this has changed the way we communicate. Yeah. I remember one thing I felt was important that I did as a spouse was there was one night where it was just us the kids had gone to sleep and I said I kept asking him for like windows of like tell me when you're in a good mindset that we can sit down and have a conversation not like serious but just like when you and I can talk and I kind of vetted those windows and I found an opportunity where I was like he seems like you seem you seemed like you were in a good place and I was like okay I'm gonna prod and I'm gonna ask questions are you okay with that? You know, still trying to make sure you were in a good spot. But I said, let's run through it. As your wife, I need to know where you are. Do you feel guilty? Do you feel pain? Do you feel anger? And we just went one by one. And I said, do you feel happy? Do you feel sad? Do you feel, and I just went through all of these things. Do you feel you wish you were here? Do you feel, and it was a really good conversation that we had of just understanding where you were at that time and how I could best support you. And we did that many times throughout the the time in Indy. And we we still do that now. I said that yesterday. I was like, I need you need you to constantly tell me where you are so I can be the best support for you. You've been very gentle. I appreciate it. Can I read some quotes on grief? Andrew Garfield had like a viral clip that said the grief for his mom that he lost is unexpressed love, which you should watch that video of him talking about his mom with uh, Stephen Colbert. I think it's, that's great. Personally, I'm not sure I feel that way. Like the grief that I feel, I don't think is like love that I hadn't given my dad. It's mo- It really is more of like this uh, appreciation for him and like I, I feel humbled by it where we make all these plans and it's like freaking whatever it is. Like we think we have a five, 10 year plan. We're about to talk about it on Thursday, what our 10 year plan is. And the grief is that that's gone now. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Go ahead. I feel like one of the greatest gifts dad ever gave all of us was in an event like this we understood so completely that he loved us, we loved him, and he loved God. And it was like, okay, 
as as tragic and as sad as this is, the best gift he ever gave us was, I mean, one of the first things you and I laughed about in the first moments of finding out about dad was I, he was the biggest fan of Jesus. And if only we all could have seen that meeting, that he didn't want to meet anyone in the world more than him. I mean, it would just. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Here's another quote. Grief is not a disorder, a disease, or a sign of weakness. It's an emotional, physical, and spiritual necessity. It's the price you pay for love. The only cure for grief is to grieve. Mm -hmm. Which, again, watching some of the people in our close life like try to distract themselves away from the sadness on social media or whatever, I just feel like you are missing. This process has been beautiful. I've been saying that to everyone. It's been like a wild few weeks and I feel like I'm in over my head, but also it's been so beautiful. And I was thinking about how it's almost like a, a level or phase in life that you can only unlock with the passing of a loved one. It's like all these stories that we've heard about my dad, the people who have come into our lives, the new memories that we've made off the memories that he already made. It's so cool to think about and i wouldn't want to miss that for it's there's like you know a tinge of sadness to it but i wouldn't want to miss it for the world and i've been thinking about how well i looked this up there's new research that suggests that anticipating the end of a good experience is an effective way to enjoy it more or like experiencing the end of a good experience is a way to enjoy it more endings help us stay in the present can bring us closer together with people in your life can help us let go of the past and refocus on important things in your life and can also provoke mixed emotions that create more meaning. And I feel like making the analogy of watching a sunrise or a sunset um, or watching your children grow up, it's like the end of the diaper phase or the end of the, the baby. Like there's so many ends of phases and it, it, there's beauty to be had in that. Like if there were, if the sky was always a sunset, you wouldn't appreciate it as much. Or if, my dad was always around. I wouldn't appreciate him as much. And But now I am overflowing with gratitude that like you just, you don't experience it elsewise. And I want to sit here and tell you listening to like, hey, drastically change your life and make sure you don't take a single moment for granted and call your dad every day and go live, whatever. Like some things aren't realistic though in the normal cadence of life. Like you you're not going to go back and see your parents every day if you're grown and have moved for a spouse or a career. Like that's, it's, it's kind of unrealistic to think you can have this intensity of gratitude without something like this happening. You know? I saw one of the most beautiful things to come of those 10 days together was I've never felt closer to our extended family. Right. aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. I will never, again, another core memory was one morning a random text was sent out by a cousin. They're like, going for a hike, taking the kids, who wants to join? And nobody responded. But I think 36 people showed up. Yeah. It was wild. For the hike. And just awesome. seeing like how close everybody became and how much we text now and check in on one another. It's been really special. Yeah. This, this is the most cliche thing. I didn't have this written about like the end really can be a, the beginning of an, of For a lot of sure. new things. I um, feel like our family has drastically changed. 
And we were already one of the strongest families out there. But I've never seen our family look like this. And it's so it's so special. Yeah. Um I wanted to read some more of the journal if you don't mind me saying, going through it chronologically so I that afternoon I said it's feeling like an out of body experience where my emotions uh won't my emotions and realizations that he won't be here again haven't caught up with like my normal social interactions it's like you have all these people the cousins and you're like interacting with them live like nothing's changed but it is kind of clouded with grief but I said right now it just feels like my dad um is gone. He's in a different room or checking on a guy, uh, job site and he'll be back soon. It's like, Oh, we're just having this social hour and my dad is gone. He'll be back soon. What does it mean to not have him around as a resource in everyday life? Not hearing his random lectures or snoring or heavy, heavy scraping footsteps. It's a quiet void without him and his normal ambiance. Being in this house that he poured his heart into to build is like being in an empty stadium or theater. Uh, and then I talked about how I was crying so much again. That first that first 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I drove us down to Indy. He sat in the back with the kids. And I don't condone this, but I think I cried for the full six-hour drive. Yeah, dude, you stuffed that door with tissues, dude. I didn't see that. It, it was... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, flooded it with tissues yeah. um and then it wasn't until that night that i talked to my mom about what had happened and like her experience with it because she went to bed with him and i said thinking of her doing cpr on him alone in bed makes me cry like a little child she shared my sentiment that she thought the paramedics would come and he would go to the hospital and all would be okay. He would be healthy and they would revive him and it would just be back to normal, which is kind of how he always lived. Like that dude should have died eight times before. <laughs> and it, but it always turned out to be okay. And this he got struck by lightning twice, twice like direct hit. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, I was a legend. Well, maybe, I don't know. We have the footage from the funeral. Maybe we'll share it, but there's a lot of good stories. Which is also, I feel like you have done really well in allowing me to laugh too. Because it's not all sad, right? Like there's plenty of jokes to make about my dad. Boy was not perfect. Anyway, um, I said, I'm glad that my mom was with my dad all the way to the end though. Uh, my dad got to go to sleep with his bride and wake up with Christ. Mm-hmm. And then that night, it was the first time I took their dog out to go to the bathroom and do like the normal thing my dad would usually do. But it kind of hit me that it was the first of what I'm sure is many things that dad used to do that will now need to be picked up by one of us, which is a daunting thing too. It's like he, that guy did a lot and now we have to kind of pick up some of the, the shards, right? It's daunting, but I think if you take a step back and try to like objectively look at what all happened in those first 10 days. I I think dad touched each of us so much that 
people took on roles so naturally that it was really cool to see. Yeah. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. The other thing we did was we took a, two days to kind of just be with each other. But then pretty soon we started working back into doing some of the things that we were used to doing. Like my brother and I would get some exercise we would we had like the big family dinner that we always do on Friday night and i feel like assembling some sort of routine helped us push through like the emotional mud so that was helpful i don't know if we overdid it with that or not i don't think so we had a lot of visitors so i think it gave us room to breathe i think if you choose only the sadness side of it you're failing to to celebrate the goodness of, the, of your of your human, of your person. Yeah, which I think is important to do, celebrate. Absolutely. And so on that note, other things that have helped me are, one, I alluded to this, but like writing, being a part of writing the obituary and being a part of the eulogy was really, really, really cathartic for me. And it was like a four or five hour time period where I had no distraction and I was solely focused on my dad and who he was to me. And writing that out was like, oh man, I, I, I'm, I cried the whole time, but it was so uh, just special to think about my dad and the role that he played in my life. Um, so that was one thing. Second, my dad was a big piano player. He loved it. He played it every night when we were at home would put us to bed by playing piano. And so I have been re-energized by the power of music and I've put together like a 40 song playlist of songs that have reminded me of my dad because they're piano songs or just the lyrics have struck me in a certain way. Um, so, and so that's been really good as well. Also, typically I'm kind of a loner and I like to isolate myself. Uh, and so, you know, we had a lot of people coming by on a daily basis, uh, before the funeral. And in that situation, I, I usually would kind of just escape to a room and on a normal day, but I really was challenging myself to like be there with the people, hear their stories. And, um, in doing so, I learned a lot of new things about my dad. It's a cliche analogy, but think of you know the phoenix in, in harry potter or elsewhere but uh out of the ashes comes this new beauty 
And that's really how I felt where it's like, there's, there was, there was life from this death. Like there, I would not have gotten to know my dad otherwise had he not died. Um, I got to know him in really new and special ways. And I think that analogy of like, you know, life from ashes is, is really powerful. Uh, so writing the obituary eulogy, the music playlist, being present. And then the other thing was that helped me through was kind of like, yeah, assembling some sort of routine. Also having just those tender and intimate conversations with Sean was another special fruit of this where I think we got to know each other in really new and special ways too. She's never really seen this crumbled part of me. Um, just sad. And I was not incapacitated, but it was definitely like a burden um, those first couple of days. So talking it out with a loved one, your partner, whatever it is. Um, I think moving did help me. My brother and I kind of made it a focused exercise for a little bit, a couple of times a week. And I think that just provided an outlet, if you will, and made me feel physically better, even though my emotions were still kind of bummed out. And then I got outside for sure. I also read through his text messages. I looked at pictures and videos for hours. I listened to his voicemails. We pulled out old pictures and, and went through them with my mom um, and just kind of reflecting on on those moments, I think sparked a lot of memories and a lot of joy with it. And also we, we ate a ton of food. I'm, I'm a bit of an emotional eater. So we definitely crushed some food and we had so many people that were kind and generous enough to, uh, to provide that for us, which was really special. Those were all things that helped me, but I'd be curious how you, if you've gone through something like this, what are the things that you've tangibly and practically done that have helped you through the, the grief process i've been noodling on this concept about how noodling noodling like you can you could feel deep emotions and not be volatile with your emotions like there's a difference between just being an absolute wreck with your emotions and not being able to function at all that being one side of the spectrum and the other just trying to like block out any emotions that you have I feel like there's a middle ground where you can truly feel the depth of the thing, yes. but not let it. But you can argue that grief comes and looks differently in everyone. So a lot of people don't have that ability to have such self-awareness to level out their deepest emotions in such a hard time. Yeah. So I think that expectation could come later on, but. At the beginning, you don't know how it's going to present itself. Yeah. I'm proud of how my siblings handled it, though. Mm -hmm. It was all very much, like, love-oriented. Some people get stressed. Some people get angry with mm -hmm. grief. Some people just shut down. But I feel like it was just, it was a unifying thing for us to go through together. But I don't know. I mean, I'm fully open to the idea that grief will be coming in waves um and some of those waves may hit harder than others i also heard from a friend that the, the grief process like it's not you make it t through step one you're on step two and you never go back to step one it's like you kind of revisit the anger or the the sorrow or the bargaining or whatever it is like 
it's kind of, it's not a linear process as Sean was talking about. So to me, it's wild to think that I feel this sad having lost my parent. I was talking to a dear friend yesterday who lost a mom about 18 months ago. And she's like, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't get any better, but you distract yourself away from it to a certain extent. And the thought struck me like, oh my gosh, everyone loses parents at some point. Is everyone just kind of perpetually sad in this sense? Like, I don't, I am super curious to know how people make it through this and just like continue, um, you know, chugging along. Like it, it the thought had never struck me, the grief that people carry with them. Um, and it also got me excited about humans in general, because despite that grief, they keep on keeping on. And I think that takes courage and hope. And then right now, this is my latest journal entry. I feel like I said, emotionally, I feel okay, but there's a degree of anxiety from getting caught up, like responding to the hundreds of people that sent texts that, the, I mean, so many of the wonderful people that do this with us day to day send us DMS and messages. And it's like, first of all, that insight was so helpful and it's so special to like hear their stories and thank you for that. But trying to respond to that, call the people back. Um, and then also trying to maintain the new perspective of what I feel like I learned, which was like my dad did work. He was a hard worker, but he also put the, always put the family first. And it's like, I can't say I always did that. And I'm trying to work towards that. Anyway, um, I feel like there's a mountain of work and projects, uh, and I don't actually know if there was more to do or there is more to do than I'm than the normal, but I feel like there is. So there's like, there is this unsettling feeling about that. Anyway, can I read some, well, I also wanted to read some insight from others if that's okay. You up for me reading through these? So this is from a buddy, Justin Zeller. He said, um, my dad's name was Guy. He said, Guy did a beautiful job of balancing earth and eternity. He lived life to the fullest, but always had his mind on things above. He accomplished a lot in 63, 63 years, but perhaps his greatest accomplishment is the legacy he's living. His legacy reminds us to live hard and to live fully. Don't get cheated out of what life can offer. And it also reminds us that the easiest path to living in that way, it's understanding one simple truth. The life is temporary, but Christ's work on the cross is permanent. My buddy Joseph Shields says that Guy was a great man that had an even greater Savior. I like that. Um, and then our buddy Hunter Smith wrote this. He said, Guy had a child's faith, a warrior's spirit, and an engineer's brain. He was zany, peculiar, lovable, strong. And whenever I was with him, I felt... I was with someone whose very presence was shrouded with wonder and possibility. Above all these, Guy was a man of faith and love. He said, but no one gets out of here alive. And in our ever-accelerating pursuit of safety and longevity, which he really believes is a subconscious desire for eternal life, may we remember that earth is not a safe place. It's not a good place to be human, but being humans means being physically temporary. People have been dying here for a very long time. And you and I, regardless of our advances in science or medicine, will not be able to shed this reality. 
We have no choice in the matter. Our only choice is how we live in light of it. Will our response be anxiety and worry or passion and faith? Our friend Linda Zanaco, I feel like had some really good insight into the grief that was to come. She said that she lost her mom a while ago, but that her voice, that the voice that she hears from her mom will only keep getting louder. Like the subconscious messages that they always used to say that, and you heard them growing, uh, heard them saying growing up will only get louder. She said, you'll walk into a room and think about what they, they said about it. And it only becomes clear and clear. Um, and then she said that each of your siblings has a special aspect of your parent that lives through them. But my favorite thing, if you don't mind me reading this was my dad wrote this email to a friend of his who lost their dad like a week before my dad passed. So this is my dad and his own words regarding death. He said, Oh my, only God could script a story like that. In less than 24 hours, everything changed for you, but not for God. I learned after our house fire, the guide doesn't really want us to question him at all times or at, at times like this, which seems odd, but rather he rejoices in how we respond to what he's giving us. And you, my friend, despite the aching heart of the loss of your favorite person on earth, are making God smile. In the next few days, just acknowledge with each breath you take the goodness of God, the gifts he gives, the timing of his provisions, and the eternal value of his son Jesus. Your father lives on in the generational legacy he's left you. Which is, there's been so many messages like this. I could read you the prologue to this daily devotional that he wrote. I could read you this. He did like this. He, he thought he was going down in a plane crash, and he wrote this like message on a bag. And he he and he wrote it to mom, which was wild. And there's like, I think there'll be a time and place we share those. But in the moment, he would write things like that, and I always felt like it was way too over the top, mm -hmm. way too grand grandiose. But now it's like timeless, and like anyway, it's kind of fun to, to read stuff like that, but. Uh, I am, I do feel like I have a newfound appreciation for the role that faith can play in a life. And the other day the stock market opened up in the first five minutes, it dropped like 2%. But then it, in the next five minutes went back to even. So there's like a net 0% loss. And I was like, man, if you're writing the second by second, if your perspective is second by second, that's a stressful place to be. You're riding the lows and you're riding the highs. But if your time, if you extend your timeline to the length of the day or the week, the month, the year or eternity, it makes things less volatile. It's like it, you can zoom out, get the higher level picture and see that the trend is up and it's good. And so, for me, having that timeline of eternity, yeah, it's given me hope. It's given me like coping. The verses are like comforting for sure, but it's also like made it, uh, it's made it a net positive, which I think is, is powerful. Um, 
And just to clarify, I don't think that the primary use or purpose of, of my faith at least is to help me through hard times in life or phases of grief like we're in now. To me, that comes off as a little bit selfish. I think the, the primary purpose as I see it of faith is to have God be most glorified in me because I am the most satisfied in him. And with that, if like, if that's the, the bullseye target, I think there's ripple effects. One of them being you have this long timeline, you have this everlasting hope and you have a purpose. Um, we could talk and do a whole episode on that, but faith has really meant something deeper and more powerful in my life in light of this situation. And to me, the beautiful thing about faith is that it really is just a choice. It's just a perspective that you choose to adopt these whimsical, magical aspects of life. And my two favorite hobbies are playing ping pong and reading. And in our men's group, we just finished reading a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. And one of the characters in there is super academic and just says that, man, he just wishes there was proof of God, that there was proof of heaven. There's evidence he would believe. And I don't want to sound naive, but I really have come to believe that the the proof and the evidence is all around us. And you could look at the the leaves falling in autumn and say, oh, well, you know, the reason the leaves fall is they just, the trees just need to conserve their energy. That's, you know, true for sure. But you could also look at the leaves and just be struck by the awe and wonder of the colors, like the natural beauty of them all. And don't, they can go hand in hand for sure. I, I, I believe that. But don't let the, the starkness, the black and whiteness of like, oh, that's just, the leaves are falling because the trees are conserving energy, strip away the beauty of it. And that, that to me is like a parallel argument to faith where it's like, I am adopting this perspective that there's more to life, that there is beauty to life, an added layer of colors and excitement. And that's why I'm looking at this death and choosing to believe that there is beauty and wonder and life despite that death. There's another book called The Short History of Nearly Everything where it's this not Christian guy, but he goes through and talks to all these experts and scientists and he talks about microbiology and like molecules, atoms, etc. And how at some point in science, you can't separate fact from fiction. And that to me is like, there's room for faith. The author even said that. The, the author got interviewed and was like, I'm not Christian, but I was astounded by how much room for faith there is in this world of science. So that's the exciting thing about me, not to go on a tangent, but I, I have gotten really excited about faith and how it can bring so much color and meaning, again, as a derivative effect. The other thing that I've learned, tying this back to couples, is I feel like in marriage, I've said this before, so forgive me, <laughs> Sean is both simultaneously the most loving, thoughtful, fun an adventurous person that I know, right? But she's also forgetful and she's sloppy and she's emotional and whatever. Sloppy. <laughs> but it's like, it's, 
which batch of those qualities am I going to believe? And I think as we remember the people that we loved and lost, like my dad wasn't perfect. You said he was the most awesome person ever, which I am. I think he was an amazing man, but he was not perfect. Like there's plenty of stories of us growing up as boys wreaking havoc. There's five kids in the house. So with that comes chaos. And so he had, there was some hiccups, right? But I'm not going to, that's not the batch of qualities I'm going to choose to remember. It's like, I'm going to remember the guy who allowed me to believe in whatever. He allowed me to dream. The guy was so selfless. In his voicemails, he opened everyone with, hey, Andrew, I want to let you know I love you and I'm proud of you. And it's like, this is the, the man who played incredibly with our kids, was so creative, had such an amazing imagination. And uh, that's who I'm going to believe, right? That, that's the quality I'm going to believe. And I think that matters because that's going to affect how I parent my kids. And I, I think that it's the subtle shift in perspective that will leave a legacy generation through generation. You know that I've been into ancestry.com since this happened. I zoomed out 12 generations all the way back to like 1600s. And it is, it's kind of humbling to think like, Oh man, someday I'm just going to be someone's great, 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 great grandpa. And they're not going to really, I don't know who that guy was for me in the six, like Thomas East in 1600. I don't know what he was, but I do know they laid the foundation for us to be here doing what we're doing now, how we're doing it. And that's the legacy. So anyway, one of the things my dad did well, my buddy Justin said this, that having the, the intentional deep conversations can sometimes be hard, difficult and awkward. But my dad did that and he was good at it and he was definitely awkward sometimes, <laughs> but he had intentional conversations. That's one of the things that I'm going to take moving forward. It's just doubling down on the meaning of things. Um, so anyway, dad, I, I love you. I miss you. I'm thankful for you. I'm so thankful. And even through this process, that's how I feel is thankful because I didn't know you as well as I do now. Hearing all the stories from your high school friends, college friends, I've written them a lot. I've written a lot of them down, which has been super fun. I can't wait to share those with our kids. But that's all I got. That's how I've been grieving. That's kind of the process, the background to my dad. I don't know how you guys go through this. I'm curious to see if this is par for the course. Maybe I'm being a crybaby. baby. I'm not sure. We are less than three weeks out of this. But so the other the other reason I feel guilty, sorry, the other reason I feel grateful is I'm honestly not sure which I would prefer. Like both for myself, for my dad, for my mom. My dad died out of nowhere. He was healthy and then boom had a heart attack, gone. Which is hard because it's definitely more shock but also you have people who suffer for years mm -hmm. and they kind of deteriorate right it's like that is kind of easier for the loved ones around them because they see the end in sight and can do x y and z to like say what they want to say or do what they the bucket list things 
I know, but the heartache of seeing a loved one hurt is takes a long toll on your heart. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that's grievous, too. So you have the, of the two th- ways to go, like, suddenly out of nowhere or years of of suffering, that's why, mm-hmm. like, you couldn't have written it up better. I feel like if I was going to come up with the way my dad would go out, this is how it would go. Mm-hmm. I'm not the one who writes that story. I think thankfully. he would have written it up this way, too. And I love, in the funeral, um, it was said that, God had done all he needed to do with my dad. My dad had done all he needed to do here on earth. So it was his time. And I was like, dang, that's freaking true. Like, mm-hmm. it's not easy, but it's, that's true. My dad sold the farm. They're like, he did, did everything. He put it yeah. out there, put it on the line. He did. And so I've, I've been thinking like, even, even the sh- through the shock, I feel grateful. Because for my mom and for my dad, like, I would not have wanted to see him suffer for a long time. So, anyway, there's that. Uh, This is the journey. This is the adventure. We're on it together. And thank you for being such a helpful partner in this. Do I have tears and snot on my face right now? Everywhere. I love you. I love you, too. Is that all you got? Any closing thoughts? I literally have snot on my face. Yeah. <laughs> Same doxology and recite some. Uh I am thinking, I don't know what we're I don't know. I want to do I've been sorry, I do have regrets. No, I do have regrets. Let's just wipe this off. I, I wanted to interview my mom and my dad in this freaking studio. My mom is shy, so she never Wanted to do it. I think we'll be able to get her down, though. And then I also wanted to do a birth vlog. My dad, if you didn't know, like, filmed us filming everything. us filming stuff is not, like, an Andrew original. My dad filmed everything of everything we did growing up. Every Friday night game. He filmed my birth. So I wanted to have them do a birth vlog for us. I think we'll still cut that video up and have my mom be a part of it. But... I don't know what we'll do. I don't want to like over memorialize my dad, if that makes sense. Or like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do it right. So I'm just freaking. You're doing a good job, baby. I would encourage you to journal or reflect in a, like, that's been meaningful to me and helpful to process emotions, put words to things. So, all right. We'll stop babbling. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Andrew. I'm Sean. We're the East Fam. Out. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there. We don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, Will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners. 
and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search couple things and tap our shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.